This is Foreign Exchanges by Neom. What's next in modern money movement, one global conversation at a time. Hello, and welcome to Forward Exchanges from Neom. We know you're trying to stay on top of fast emerging changes in global payments when it's all you can do to keep up with your day-to-day challenges. I'm Siobhan O'Neill Schwenk, and on this podcast, we are joined by trailblazers and veteran players to investigate the real driving forces that are modernizing money movement and what's building or blocking its momentum around the world. Whether you're new to global payments, a digital transformation veteran, or you just want to hear some great advice on what strategies create momentum in the global digital payments revolution, then this is the podcast for you. Today, I'm joined by Spencer Hanlon, Global Head of Travel Payments and Head of Europe at NEAM, and Penny Rizu, Director of Global Payments at eTravelite Group. In this episode, Penny and Spencer talk to us about how COVID-19 will be remembered as the reason digital transformation finally arrived in the travel industry, the backbone of all of this change, and what's in store for travel and payments that we can all look forward to in the not-distant future. Hello, I'm Spencer. I look after global travel for NEAM, and at NEAM, we're trying to revolutionize global payments. Penny. Hello, my name is Penny Rizu. I'm heading the global payments for eTravelEye Group. TravelEye Group is uh, the world's leading flight-centric OTA. Well, welcome to the show, Spencer and Penny. It's exciting to have you both here. Thank you. Nice to be here. One of the things I learned very early on in this series from the very first episode is that the infrastructure around banking and payments globally is broken. And it's a miracle that any payment gets anywhere in the amount and time frame that we expect it to. That's pretty much what it boils down to. But Spencer, what do travel payments generally look like behind the scenes? I know that there's a whole layer of additional challenges with travel payments globally. Can you tell me sort of what generally that looks like behind the scenes? Sure. Um, Travel payments have a number of different characteristics. First of all, they're very established. So travel payments have been around for many, many, many years. In fact, it was one of the first global industries to really take off and need payments to catch up as you have the movement of people around the world. So secondly, it has scale. It is vast. Trillions and trillions of dollars are flowing. It's 24 hours. It's every jurisdiction. Uh, So every country, every currency, and it's two-way. Money flows to make the booking and sometimes it flows back as the booking is then changed. So it is truly global, truly complex, and truly an area that can be optimized uh, to serve the industry and the participants better. Penny, would you add anything to that? I would like to echo complexity because the more people go outside the border, the more they travel, the more uh, options uh, they're being given, the more complex it is to accommodate all this from uh, the payment perspective, because travel is about a lot of things. There is a lot of complexity in many areas, and payments is just one of it. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about the B2B side of this. How are supplier payments conducted? Is this more of the same, or is that different at all? So, uh, from my perspective, obviously, in travel, there's a person traveling, be that a business traveler or a consumer. And they're deciding what they want to buy, where they want to buy it, 
when they want to buy it. Let's take the case of a holiday, the most obvious. So they're deciding they want to go to Thailand for Christmas. Great. However, there's an entire industry behind that that makes that happen seamlessly. I doubt anyone would get on a plane to Thailand if that complexity had not been solved by the industry. So there's the booking, there's the distribution of that capacity, the confirmation, the, the, the settlement, the currency transfer. So the B2B element, although it may appear to be invisible to the person browsing on the internet and then drinking a pina colada a few months from now by the pool, but there is an entire industry working very hard to ensure that that, that is invisible and it works and it's reliable. People pay a lot of money for their holidays and they look forward to them very much. And so it's beholden upon us all a great responsibility to make that work. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Imagine also one of our customers that are coming in all the websites and all the markets that we are active across the globe. He's in Brazil. He wants to pay his reservation in Brazilian Yas. Uh, which, for those that they know, Brazil is a very tough market to to manage and to to process payments. And we, the OTA, need to accommodate this payment, whereas the product he buys, the flights he buys, might happening somewhere else. So, being able to accommodate from the customer perspective the pain while trying to buy for the customer whatever product he might have selected, it could be flight, it could be insurance, it could be anything. It implies that in many cases you need to disconnect the customer payment from the B2B payment because that way you are able to address complexity and offer a customer an experience which is seamless. Obviously, the COVID-19 pandemic was and inarguably still is a huge challenge to the travel industry. Penny, what would you say the biggest of your challenges were in grappling with the pandemic? You are scratching my wounds now, to be honest. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we won't spend too much time um, on it, I promise. <laughs> yes, it is true that the COVID situation put a lot of challenges in the travel uh, industry. I think it is one of the industries that they were most impacted. And who cannot forget the airlines that they have put all of their planes into onto the ground. They were not selling for many months. They Some of them ran out of cars and they couldn't even cover their OPEX. So it was a pretty bad situation that, of course, impacted the cash flow of the airlines. Uh, a lot of them have post refunds and we, acting as intermediaries, we were sitting in the middle and waiting until the airlines would uh, resume their operations, they would start paying back the refunds so we can give them to the customers. But in the meantime, customers, of course, could not wait for this and they were rushing into our call centers, huge volumes of calls and customer complaints were coming into our call centers. And not only us, but any OTA was prepared for that. Mm -hmm. That also was interpreted into many chargebacks that they were coming in in our uh, company and we had to manage them and we had to find a way of get out of the situation in less painful way. I think we managed well. 
we know there are so many things. Uh, I mean, this situation revealed a lot of things that uh, both us and the OTAs should invest more, automations and so on. But I think that now we are entering a new era with people wanting to travel more. So it is uh, happy moments <laughs> that we are experiencing uh, going forward. Excellent. Spencer, were there any other big challenges due to the pandemic that maybe Penny didn't cover that you saw making things even more difficult? I think specifically if there's something in a specific market or... First of all, Penny sits much more at the sharp end uh, than we do in our segment. (laughs) So uh, we're very much in a B2B space. And so we're dealing with the companies and the implications uh, therein, uh, not necessarily the consumers. We're the facilitators and, if you like, the pipes behind However, I've been in the travel industry myself for over 30 years. I've been through a number of crises, whether it's avian flu, the Gulf War, 9-11, or the credit crunch. And the pandemic is far and away the one with the most impact across the entire industry. Never before have we seen the whole world make it almost illegal uh, to travel. And what that teaches you is that if you're not automated, you're not going to survive. And unfortunately, not everybody in our industry came with us out the other side. But what's fascinating is it reset almost everything. And as we record this today, we're facing a different challenge. We simply forecasting is incredibly difficult because we don't have a year on year view to work against. Everything is skewed and demand is at an unprecedented level because as human beings, we're social animals and we want to be traveling. And so, yes, it's, it's, a, it's a nicer problem to have in terms of trying to accommodate this new demand, this speed of ramp up versus trying to stay in business. But it's a problem nonetheless. And I think the whole industry is learning that automation, simplicity, again, coming back to the old favorite of battling complexity, is the way through this. And the whole industry is, is, is raising the bar to be able to handle, hopefully never again, but should we have to handle another pandemic better. Spencer, you mentioned this idea of complexity and Penny, you had earlier as well. So speaking of pointy ends, sorry, I just want to dig into that a little bit. Penny, you're coming from an OTA and your company offers technical solutions for travelers and flights. And so tell me a little bit more about the complexity in payments that OTAs faces. A travel I group is a flight-centric OTA and flight-centric means that we mainly sell flights and we develop technology so that we are able to offer the best prices, the most relevant combinations and options to our customers in the most seamless way. And that, of course, includes payments because when we are active in uh, uh, more than 70 markets and when uh, we offer uh, more than 40 currencies and uh, when we do business with hundreds of airlines and uh, utilizing different distribution channels, this means that we need to find an automated way, as uh, Spencer very correctly underlined in his um, comment before, to ensure that the customer will get what he wants without being bothered what's happening on the back. So, for example, imagine a customer who is in the uh, U.S., he wants to pay in uh, USD dollars, he doesn't care 
the product he buys in which currency it is going to be paid because it could be paid in a different currency for different business reasons. It could be paid in euro. It could be paid in, uh, I don't know, pick a currency. <laughs> and then he also wants to get in his payment slip the amount of USD uh, order that he saw in our website without having conversion fees and without having to call his bank and ask for explanations on why he saw that fee or that conversion and so on. This means that from our perspective, depending on where our customer is, what currencies we offer to him, like we need to offer, we need to have a multi-currency setup, we need to have a multi-partner setup, we need to be able to accommodate local payments, local payment methods that doesn't include only cards, it includes uh, BNPL methods, it includes wallet methods, it includes local methods that they are super familiar to the customer. And of course, it is much more convenient for them. So we need to offer them. And that does not necessarily mean that can be linked directly with how we pay the airlines or how we pay different other suppliers. That requires a lot of technology on the back a lot of features, a lot of innovation. Uh, we also need to be able and screen our customers, understand, have tight fraud prevention tactics so that we make sure we don't let uh, fraudsters coming in. Mm -hmm. It is not simple. It's not a button that you push and say, okay, now I found the fraudster, I declined them. You need data, you need tools, you need intelligence, you need team, you need so many things. Skilled people, processes, automations, and then all that are very well embedded with the flight product. Mm -hmm. Because the flight product in many cases, both on the B2B but also on the B2C, cannot be seen differently for many reasons. So I hope that's good enough only to scratch <laughs> how complex the travel industry and the payments within travel industry are. <laughs> <laughs> Spencer, any other challenges that these methods create? Yeah, I mean, and Penny said it. It is a very peculiar industry that has invented its own processes and terminology. We could riff for quite a while on, on the abbreviations and the slang that we use in our industry. But the fundamental problem is we have a, a product that disappears at a certain date. Take a seat, a flight seat. Once the plane's taken off, if someone's not sitting in that seat, it's wasted, right? It's depreciated to zero. And so we have a global industry that is very time specific. Either the room is full or the seat is full, but there's a trade and a contract that is done globally millions of times a day through the services of online travel agencies and brick and mortar travel agencies historically that tries to tackle that complexity with trust. There needs to be trust. The person selling the seat and the person buying the seat, the person selling the hotel room and buying the hotel don't know each other. But the whole ecosystem relies on this sense of trust in the system mm -hmm. so that the provider, the vendor, the airline or, or, or hotel or car hire, whomever, has confidence that they will get paid for allocating that product to that person on that day for that price. And everything we do underpins that promise so that the system works. Because we are talking about a future contract. 
It's not at the time you're paying for it, you're not actually consuming it. And that's the unique nature of our ecosystem, which makes it so, so complex, so sophisticated. You do that in multiple currencies, multiple languages, multiple cultures, but the underlying principle is that the system is trustworthy. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot in the financial technology sector about the Amazoning of finance, if you will, or in this case, how the Uber experience is coming for travel payments. Tell me a little bit about this. Certainly, from my perspective, I love the Uber example. It was for the first time that invisible payments really meant something to me. The idea that you can get in a taxi, you can get to the other end, there is no conversation about how much do I owe you, no awkwardness about deciding the tip, no can I have a receipt, and that strange conversation of do you want to fill it in yourself, Uh, all this sort of stuff, right? All of that goes away. You just shut the door and walk away knowing that the payment will happen. To me, when I first did that, that was a revolution. and I really, it really meant something. We're not there with travel. There have been experiments with it in the past. I remember some of the domestic carriers had this thing where you turn up at the gate, you fly, and then you get charged. It's never really taken off. So this pay as you consume in the background hasn't happened. That said, there is a tremendous amount that's getting close, extra bags, onboard product. So we're we're getting close, but we haven't fully got to the situation where you consume and pay behind. And it comes back to my previous topic around the fact that what we're buying in the most instance is a future, future promise of delivery and the securing of your contract of demand is the challenge. Mm-hmm. Penny, what do you think? I think it's very interesting to hear uh, what you're saying, Spencer. I think that the Uber example clearly demonstrates that there is a direct connection to service delivery on when the payment is happening. But that's why it is, it's happening on the back and you don't need to know, you as a customer don't need to know on anything about what you said. But on the travel, I'm just thinking on how the... Airlines, for example, because I can only talk for for my uh, domain, whether the airlines would be willing to to charge as you fly, because one of the reasons that the tickets and the flight tickets are being paid before they fly is to secure the position, to allow more cash flow for the airlines to operate, and Usually, from the customer behavioral perspective, there is a tendency, the booking window, as we, as we call it, like the date that you book to the date that you start your first trip to be quite big in certain cases. I mean, COVID broke that smaller because of insecurity on the planning, but in general, it was... I don't know, 60, 90 days on average, maybe more, depending on the portfolio of its uh, OTA airlines. So will the airlines or any other service provider that uh, resembles the airline model be willing to sacrifice the cash flow so that they offer the customer that experience? Is there any other way that they can solve this problem of the funding so that they can take with one shot two birds down. I don't know. I think we will have to wait and see. 
I think you're absolutely right. I think the closest we've got is private air. So the, the private air charter market is perhaps the closest, but still not there. Mm. There is still a price differential to, to renting an aircraft on a Friday afternoon than on a Tuesday mid-morning, right? So even then, there is a demand and a, and a price difference that exists. And also, it's also the need of the customer to make, to be sure that he will have a seat when he plans for his summer vacation. So that comes with a price, you know, the pre-booking also as a, as a service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This Ubering of everything doesn't always align to how the airline business is run. Penny, Spencer mentioned that there are several partners and colleagues and and companies that you work with that did not make it out of the other side of the pandemic because those margins are so small. Um, Tell me a little bit about that side of the complexity and not necessarily cost, but how those margins impact and that there's always this sort of bankruptcy risk or cost risk associated with these kinds of transactions. It is true. Uh, OTA business is a very thin business, and one of the key success factors for an OTA is to be diligent in every aspect of the offering. It could be payment offering, it could be flight offering, it could be content, it could be pricing, it could be a portfolio of, uh, let's say, um, key elements that ensure our offering, our flight offering is both competitive, but also profitable enough to cover for our expenses and ensure that the company is healthy. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the risks that we face, it comes without saying, it's our partner's bankruptcy risk. And if the partner is super small, okay maybe a super large OTA can absorb. But if the partner, if the airline, uh, the hotel is large, then the OTA is in danger of being dragged to bankruptcy Mm -hmm. as well. So there are a lot of mechanisms in the industry when it comes to payments to ensure that there is bankruptcy protection. It's one of the most important things that we ensure that they are well taken care of. And by doing that, it allows us, it gives us the comfort to be able and uh, grow our sales, to be able and expand in different markets, put more airlines in our portfolio with a diligent way, of course, without having in our agenda exposure or bankruptcy risk uh, on our partner side. So... Of course, I'm referring to B2B payments because as an OTA, you have different risks. You have, of course, the customer risk, fraudsters and chargebacks and everything. But there you have the tools to manage them, fraud prevention tools. And you make sure that you do your best in order to minimize the the exposure and the cost. But when it comes to the B2B payments, depending on who the partner is, it could be super large as a risk. So we also use payment options that offer bankruptcy protection on our B2B payments to ensure that we operate in a safe environment. Spencer, was there anything you wanted to add? No, first of all, I'd say Penny's being very modest. She represents one of the uh, organizations that I think is most equipped and most 
professional in understanding the value of payments. When we look across our landscape, you can go from cash to bank transfer to credit card to what we have in the industry, clearinghouse, the giant clearinghouses run by the industry. And not to put any of them down or, or boost any of them, they all have their advantages and disadvantages. Some are more secure uh, in terms of uh, when things go wrong. Some are easy to administer. I'm struggling to find the advantage of cash, but I'm sure it's there somewhere. And it's really about understanding it. And what I've been struck by, uh, 20 years, 30 years ago when I joined the industry, the role of payments in the industry was tiny. Now, 30 plus years later, it is a differentiated, a competitive advantage, no doubt about it, and at times a survival line. Uh, and so the call out I would make to the industry, whatever, whatever tool you're going to use, is attempt to get to the level of knowledge that Penny and her team have got because it is a, it, it is a competitive lifeline you will rely on for many years. We'd be so bold as to, to predict that 10 years from now, those that don't have that knowledge and don't have that skill set in their organization probably won't be here. And I think, Spencer, what you say about knowledge when it comes to payments is important. And it goes beyond payments because the biggest challenge for every industry or organization is to be able and connect payments with the product they sell. It comes without saying that when you use all the payment options that uh, you just mentioned, both of us, we have heard uh, a lot of stories about payment options that they are uh, advertised and they are considered the best, the, the most uh, zero cost and so on. But knowledge around what a payment option really means for an organization is not straightforward and not easy to find because it goes beyond payment knowledge. It goes how your payments are embedded with your business. And let me give an example of that so that it's more clear to, to the audience. There are partners that they say that payment option is pretty expensive. And if I would use cash, for example, or an equivalent payment option, it would be so much cheaper. But then there is a list of at least 15 factors that now came to my head that have not been taken into consideration in their model. And all these factors are in their indirect costs. It's the call center investment. It's uh, the fraud prevention that they need to invest. It's uh, the cost of FX. It's the hedging cost. It's the conversion. It's, you know, I can give you a list of 2025. <laughs> So if we only see things in one dimension, then I believe that the big picture is now the time to start focusing on, because eventually it all goes down to two things. If I see things in a more umbrella view, do I eventually manage to take decisions that they will boost my sales and profitability? So I claim myself as a healthy company that I can grow and develop and offer valuable services to my customer? If the answer is yes, it doesn't matter if one element of the equation is more or less expensive. It does matter the final equation and the impact it delivers to the organization. Fully agree. 
obviously that we've talked about how the pandemic has hastened a considerable amount of change across the travel industry. It sounds like these processes of invoicing, cash refunds, working in cash. <laughs> Spencer, you said I struggle to see the advantages of cash. <laughs> but what's coming in to take its place then? It's not coming. It's already been here. So we have the, 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 the card schemes. Card schemes were one of the first solutions that our industry founded back in post-war times. In fact, it was founded slightly before the war, but it really took off post-Second World War here in Europe, where we had a lot of North American GIs who were having to send money home or repatriate funds. And American Express built its business on the back of that. So a travel for, for a reason. Hopefully we don't have to repeat, but certainly a large travel uh, movement of individuals. And that credit card network is, we, we take it for granted, but it is incredible in terms of its scope. The days where non-acceptance of the two major schemes was a discussion point are largely over. We don't, we, don't, we don't talk about it so much anymore. I certainly remember growing up, there were, just like with Coke, there were discussions about whether you're a Pepsi or Coca-Cola in terms of your acceptance landscape. It doesn't exist anymore. So that credit card network is there. And then there are other forms. Crypto is the one knocking on the door. Unproven, uh, and we'll have to see its true application and its true longevity. Uh, and certainly there are evangelists on both sides. But I would say almost that's irrelevant, right? Whether it's cash, whether it's clearinghouse, whether it's credit card, whether it's crypto. I come back and I support wholeheartedly Penny's position here is payments is a vital success factor in our industry. If you ignore it, you ignore it at your peril. Become familiar with it, become inquisitive about it, learn to build the products exactly as Penny said, you can differentiate your products by, by mastering payments. And uh, so whatever the solution is of the future, don't fall into it. Be part of the exploration and development of it. Penny, I don't know what you think. No, no, I fully agree. I mean, uh, we are fully aligned on that. Payments is a differentiation factor simply because it is related with the customer experience and eventually with the ability of a company to exit the customer. Because, you know, it's all about exiting the customer, getting the product, paid it, and be happy with it. So I can see applications of payments in uh, call centers. I can see applications of payments in automations related to refunds, related to self-service, related to any other interaction that the customer could have for that require a monetary exchange. I can see relevance with payments tighter or less tighter depending on the business models. For example, flights within travel is a business model where payments are quite very well embedded. There are decision points when you try to, to book a flight that they are related to payments. So that itself indicates how important it is to view payments in a 360 view and see how you can embed it in a different, in your booking path or in different parts of your business that eventually will end up with an advanced customer experience. 
What innovations in the business of travel are you really excited about as you start to look forward to and think about life post-pandemic? So travel's getting more global, more instantaneous. The demand is rising. We've proven that case. Yes, there are challenges with pandemics and we have to take all of that learning and we have to take on the fact that this is a, a globe that is insecure. You just look at the Ukraine crisis. We'll have to deal with those things all the time. But the future is robust and the case is made that we will continue to travel. I don't think necessarily the challenges for travel, whilst complex and very particular and you need to be specialised in it, are very different than the rest of payments globally. At the end of the day, what we need is that the B2B environment keeps pace with the B2C. As consumers, we are now becoming, beyond used to, demanding instantaneous action. So by the touch of a piece of glass that we hold in our pocket, we want to buy something. We want to order something. And we want that in in no hassle at all. So one-click checkout, using our face as ID. All these things are being driven by the consumer side. And B2B has always been a laggard. Usually the interfaces are horrible. It's really hard to use the screens that demand it. The timelines are terrible. Three, five days. And the costs are eye-watering, whereas it may cost simply a matter of cents for the consumer. It's quite possible that 50, 60, 70 euros are the costs that are beholden upon a business to make an international payment. Those days must go. And so I think travel, just as with all B2B, should be starting to target itself at any payment anywhere in the world in under five seconds with a cost that is affordable and an environment that's reliable and secure. That's where we're trying to get to, regardless of the medium you use. I think that's the challenge upon the whole payments industry. The beauty is fintech is here. The cavalry is coming. It's coming over the, uh, over the hill. And competition is driving that solution. It's not tomorrow, but it's certainly within uh, my career and hopefully shorter in than that, three, five, ten years. I think we always underestimate what can be achieved in 10 years. But I'd be fascinated to hear Penny's view. For sure, matching the B2C with the B2B ecosystem, uh, I would say it's it's an important pillar. And when I hear the word innovation, actually, when we hear the word innovation, the first thing that comes to to our head is amazing solutions, uh, new products, something new, something that doesn't exist. But... I think that the true thing here is adoption. There are many products out there. There are more to come. There are more to evolve and allow speed, allow accuracy, allow seamless experience. But then when it comes to B2B payments is the adoption rate, how fast the companies either on the merchant side or the fintech side or the provider side, how fast do they adopt all this product? Innovation is important, but adoption at this stage is more important, I would say. When it comes to travel and travel agents, more specifically, online ones like us, I think that the COVID situation, as I said earlier, indicated that more investment needs to be done in automations. Of course, all of us received 10 times, 20 times higher traffic than we were supposed to. Yet, 
it is important also to invest in automations and anything that will optimize and advance our uh, customer ex experience. And that comes for the whole industry. So I think that customer experience also is an area that innovation needs to target. And that experience, I think, includes all. It includes payments, it includes, it includes everything. Any final thoughts that either of you would like to share? Anything we skipped over or didn't touch on that you wanted to, that you wanted to share? Payments in travel, let me make a, a bold assertion. I think payments in travel was, uh, was one of the early fintech industries before the name fintech became trendy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we'd moved beyond the legacy uh, Swift many, many years ago. We were using tool sets that were allowing instantaneous payment. We were allowing high data sets to flow amongst the network. We were doing that way before everyone started wearing jeans and trainers and calling themselves fintech. So maybe we're blowing our own trumpet, but I think the application of the new tools, of the new products, of the new knowledge, and the new focus that the, the global economy is placing on this only can fast track how payments are penetrated further, more effectively within travel sphere. I would add uh, travel tech into the pair of jeans and the sneakers, uh, Spencer. It's travel tech and fintech <laughs> that uh, now trends when it comes to the industry. And indeed, the more global you are, the more you need to, to invest in technology. And this is what we do. We invest in technology. Actually, our CEO says that we are a technology company that offers travel services. And that by itself says it all. Focusing on how to, how to serve customers, how to serve the end uh, user will uh, show us the way on uh, how to innovate and how to, to utilize payments, technology and anything that is relevant to the business model of each industry. Thank you both so much. That is all the time that we have today. I want to say thank you so much to Spencer and Penny for joining us today to give us some insight and discuss what modern money movement is really all about. On this show, we're investigating the real driving forces that are modernizing money movement and what's building or blocking its momentum around the world. Make sure you're subscribed. Check us out at neam.com slash forward exchanges or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review and tell us what you like. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Siobhan O'Neill Schwenk. And this has been Forward Exchanges from Neom.